Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Podcast. We hope that today's message will inspire you to grow in your journey of faith. We believe that hope is for everyone. So, no matter where you find yourself on your journey of faith, we believe Jesus is willing to meet you right where you're at. So again, thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Tony, and uh, this lovely, beautiful lady here next to me, her name is Sophia, uh, and we are the lead pastors here at Legacy Church. And uh, if you're visiting us, we want to say welcome. We hope that you uh, understand that you're not just a visitor here, but you are our guest. We uh, break out the China just for you every Sunday. And uh, for those of you that are family members here, man, thank you so much for being here. We hope to see you again tonight for our prayer uh, and worship gathering. It's going to be awesome, you guys. I'm telling you, you do not want to miss out on tonight. But we are in the middle of our series where we're talking about the mission and the vision of Legacy Church. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the values that drive us, and they're kind of our, our why behind our mission and our vision. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about how we're called to be faithful to the Word. Uh, last week, we talked about being a people that are presence-driven. And today, I want to talk to you about something that might be a little bit uniquely worded, and that is this, we're called to be radically hospitable. And so would you open up your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 12? We're going to read verses 9 through 13. We've got a couple scriptures for you here to open up. And if you don't have a Bible, there's one underneath your seat, and you can actually keep it, and you can take it home with you. Uh, there's also uh, this beautiful digital Bible right behind me that you can read from. And it says this, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Verse 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. And here it is, here's our key verse for today. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. And today we get two scriptures. So we're going to read Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1 and 2, and it says, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. So we just want to pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you that we get this incredible blessing of having access to your word that is not just a written historical text, but Lord, it is what we need. It's a light to our path. It's our guidebook to life. It's what we're able to confidently build our lives based on the principles and the divine, beautiful truths we find in it. So let it come to life for all of us today. No matter where we are, no matter what we come in here carrying, may we all individually have a real true revelation of what you want us to hear from your word based in truth and love that comes only from you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Uh, how many of you growing up learned the hard way to never tell your parents that you are bored? <laughs> right? You know, it's, it's so interesting. I'll never forget. I was probably around eight, nine years old. The, the first time that I finally learned this lesson for good, because I, uh, uh, how many of you know that when you're an eight, nine year old kid, you don't just tell your parents you're bored. You go, I'm bored. Uh. <laughs> 
right? Like that's what it sounds like, right? You're, you're dragging your feet and it's like, ugh. And, your dad, and so my dad approaches me. I'm like moping around the house like this. You know, it's like I've lost all mobility to my arms. You know what I'm talking about. Come on, parents, you've seen this. Also, don't forget, you were there once too, right? You're like, you're like ugh. And my dad's like, what's wrong with you, kid, right? And, and I'm like, I'm bored, uh, right? And I'm bored. And how many of you know how, how my dad responded? This is how most of your parents responded. It's like, I'll show you bored, right? Uh, let, me, let me take care of that boredom for you, right? And, and I, that's the day I learned how to wash dishes, dry dishes, put them away. I learned how to vacuum. I learned how to dust. And very quickly, I learned to never be bored in my house again. And then later when I was like 14, 15, my mom was like, I'm finally cashing in on that brand new washer and dryer that I bought about 15 years ago. And I'm like, where? And I realized she's talking about me. So, um, you know, but, but what does boredom have to do with, with anything other than kind of unfold your arms and make you laugh a little bit here? It's this, is when we talk about radical hospitality, we must first understand that hospitality comes from a place of mission. Because Christians are not called to boredom. Christians are called to mission. If you and I are to be followers of Christ Jesus, we should be so enthralled by the mission of God that there should be no room for boredom. And what I'm about to say, I hope it doesn't come off as critical, but I believe it needs to be said. I think we live in a day and age where seemingly followers of Christ seem to be pretty bored because they've got a lot of time on their hands to criticize other churches, to criticize the local church and their brothers and sisters within the local community. They seem to have a lot of time to get on Facebook and social media to tweet and Facebook about a lot of things. And it seems to me that the real pandemic we're dealing with is boredom in the church. So it seems. But I'm, I'm here to tell you today that, that we are not called to boredom. In fact, we should be so, if I may use the word, busy with the mission of God that there should be no room for boredom in our lives because we are called not just to a mission, but to fulfill that mission. And I think sometimes as soon as we hear this word hospitality, we immediately think, ooh, hospitality equals uh, Joanna Gaines and buying her entire line of all the cute things from Target. I own every hearth and hand item on the shelf and I am now hospitable. And, or, we think, or we think, well, you know who's hospitable is... Martha Stewart. Before she got caught with the crimes. Yeah. That's true. But I bet she learned hospitality real quick yeah, once yeah, she got yeah, out of your actual heart issues. But you see, what we, we totally cheapen this word hospitality. We think, well, I'm going to let people come over and I'm going to have beautiful dishes and cloth napkins and fresh bouquet of tulips that are almost bloomed. Yeah. Like this is the picture that we've been told that equals hospitality. And it is just, we're selling it so short. It's been so cheapened and we've really lost what is the actual heart behind hospitality. And I think that really it has so much less to do with a perfectly presented home or a beautiful meal that you're able to Instagram or whatever else you're going to do with it. Um, it has so much more to do with the fulfillment of God's mission yeah. than anything else. <laughs> that that's the why. Why be hospitable? It's the mission of God that is really hanging in the balance of our hospitality. And the reason behind that is because if you look at the story of God and humanity, you realize uh, that Jesus Christ coming to save the earth is a reflection of God's hospitable heart. God's heart of hospitality is one that says, I'm open to 
all people so that I can save them. I love them so much that I open up not just my heart to them and I send my son to save them, but now, and it says in the word that we now have a place that's being prepared even for us by him. God's heart is hospitable. And it's through hospitality that we see throughout scripture that the mission of God is not just presented, but fulfilled. And so we are called, everyone here, we're called to open hearts and open homes to all people. And as a church, we don't want this to just be a cute tagline on our wall of values. We don't want this to just be something that happens by happenstance. But we believe that through scripture, there's teaching that hospitality is an intentional, purposeful move from the people of God, opening their hearts and homes to all kinds of people. I do got to warn you right off the bat that we will talk about that even looks like opening your heart and home to those that don't look like you. Dare I say, don't vote like you, don't think like you, don't have the same skin color as you. Come on, we are called to open our hearts and our homes to all people, and we'll tell you about that in a second. So I want to have you take a wild guess. We have some things that it is going to relate to radical hospitality, but guess how many? Guess how many things we have Trick for you today? Trick question. We Trick have question. two things this morning that we want to... We tricked you. That was on purpose. If you're a legacy person, you. you know we preach we, three points usually. <laughs> if you're new, this is kind of an inside joke. We broke joke it. That, We're having two points for you this yeah, morning. We got two but things But they're for filled you. with a lot of little micro points, so we could do the math and, and make adjustments. And so. there's also a bonus point if we there's have time. a bonus point. So. You could call it three if you want. <laughs> but technically, we have two. So number one, number one, <laughs> I want to ask you the question, what do you have? When it comes to hospitality, we must be able to answer the question, what has been placed uniquely in us? Romans 12, 13 says this, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. In other words, from the love that we have received, we operate. From the things that we have received, we contribute to the needs. I'll say it this way. Each one of you, each one of us, has been uniquely formed to, re to reach a unique and specific people. Let me say that again because I stumbled through that. Each one of us has been uniquely formed by God to uniquely reach a specific people. If you don't believe me, then go ahead and open up your Bibles to the book of Psalms, chapter 139, and hopefully the word of God will convince you. Chapter 139, 13, 16. And I want to pause before we read this together and tell you, there are some scriptures that sometimes in the church world, we kind of, we hear them so often that sometimes we kind of just blow right through them. And this scripture is one of those scriptures that a lot of times is, is read at like a baby dedication. And so we kind of just like, how many of you know that unless you're part of that family that's being dedicated, you're kind of just enduring that dedication? I get it. Listen, listen, I grew up in church. I get it. Like, I'm not judging you for it, right? But don't let that happen today. I, I want you to look at specific verbiage that is in this scripture that speaks to the uniqueness of how purposefully God and his sovereign creation and creativity uniquely formed you. And it says this, for you formed my inward parts. You, look at this. This is beautiful, you guys. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, look at this, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Wow. That's how much God cares about you. This is, how much, this is how beautiful his creation is to him. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. I think, I think it's incredible that that word, when he says, you knitted me together. I, I don't know if any of you knit in this room, but knitting is such an incredible image to get in our heads for this. Knitting goes from, it's just a string. It is a, just, just one string and you look at it and you're mind blown that all you're doing is intentionally creating something all out of almost nothing and every if you're going to start knitting something you're going to set out to do something on purpose yeah like i love to knit but i only like to knit things that i can finish in like two days because i lack the attention span for like blankets or sweaters but i really like doing Good projects thing, i'm never cold <laughs> yes, so. that's true it's handy but i like it when he washes the counters you see so we yes, make dishcloths it works so. great win-win uh so i think it's just incredible that every time i go to, i want to knit something i on purpose choose beforehand what i'm going to start knitting because you can't just like start stitching it, one strand depends upon the other. The row that you just finished determines what the next row is going to be. And you have to be precise or else you're not really going to come up with anything. And I think that that is such a profound word choice yeah. that you knit. Like there was an intentionality that something was on purpose created from nothing. It was just, this is what I'm going to make happen. I'm going to do it on purpose at this time in this way, on purpose, yeah. with a purpose. And if... We were created intentionally by the creator who is creative. Then that means he's not just sovereign, but he's creative enough to have placed unique opportunities inside of your uniqueness. Does that make sense? It, here's, here's the truth is, remember last week, uh, those of you that were here and I joked about how it's not the Holy Spirit that's weird, it's people that, that are weird, you know, and hopefully I offended most of you. I told um, them we'll just call it quirky And she time. wants to say quirky, but I just, I want to say weird. Cause like, can we just all accept that we're weird on some level? You know what I mean? And, and, and here's what's beautiful about our unique weirdness and unique quirkiness is that that is designed to reach a specific group of people that not all of us can reach. And, and here's, here's what's cool is, uh, I don't know about you, but growing up, uh, I was the kid that was constantly getting, I'm just going to confess to you guys, referrals and detention and getting sent to the principal's office. Um, I, I, I'm going to give you one guess as to what it is that I was constantly doing in class. Can you guess? Those of you that know me? I, I was, t yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was the kid that constantly got in trouble in class for talking. You guessed it. And, and here's, here's what I have to say about that. Well, number one, I think it's interesting that the very thing I used to get detentions and referrals for, I'm now getting paid to do. It's pretty cool. <laughs> I'm like, cool. Uh, life hack, okay? Um, or is that hashtag winning? I don't know. I don't know what the kids are saying these days. But what I will say is this, is that I've had to learn, hear me church, that the gifting of God in my life to speak, to communicate, to be somebody that draws people, that loves people, has got to be something that I've been willing to submit to the Lord and his authority. Yeah. 
Because if I don't do that, this is what I become. I become a bull in a china shop that is a terrible listener that talks over people and takes over a room and doesn't allow other people to have time and space to be able to express themselves. So yes, you are uniquely created, but we must understand that in order to fulfill God's mission through hospitality, the unique areas of your life in which you've been created for and with must be submitted to his authority so that they can be molded into what he wants and has for you. And I think one of our biggest temptations, especially now in this current time and place, especially some of maybe a younger, younger parents, specifically, I might even hone in a little bit on young moms. Uh, we, we really have such a temptation to spend so much of our time comparing our lives to somebody else's life that we completely miss out on what is our actual life. That wow. we, we end up, especially we, we can hold it in our phone, we open Instagram and we look and we say, whoa, she's got, look at her clean kitchen. Look at that dinner. Wow, look at her kids all wearing matching clothes. Um, spoiler alert, everyone takes highlight photos on purpose because those are the sweet memories you want to take, okay? Right. So there's no shame in saying, look at this beautiful meal I made. It's beautiful. Enjoy. But what we cannot do is to spend our days looking and comparing. And the moment we see somebody else succeeding in something that we're not good at, we immediately go to this place of, well, maybe I'll get it right one day. And, just. Yeah. and we wish away what we actually are because we're looking at somebody else who they actually are. And, and, I, and I really do want to offend you a little bit. <laughs> I'm going to take a page out of Tony's book. Do Let's it. see how it fits. Do right. it. Okay, uh, I, want, I want us to be kind of like, whoa, did you really just say that? Here's the thing. I actually do believe that when we look at other people's lives with envy or with regret for our own, we are insulting God. Wow. <gasps> they liked it. Yeah, it's good. Well, it's because it's she said it. If I would have said it, I would have gotten an email about it. I know you guys. Oh, man. Well, so I, I have I, her here all I, the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, so I just, we, we look at God and we're able to say, wow, God, you are sovereign, you're intentional, you do everything on purpose and you do everything well. We know these things are true about God. We know this, right? That he is good. He doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't lie. He cannot fail us. And yeah. everything that he's done is always perfectly orchestrated. Yeah. So how dare we look him in the face and say, you really got it wrong with me. I'm just... Wow. I'm not good at that. I don't raise my kids as well as she does. I don't, my, I don't know. My, my house isn't pretty. I'm still renting an apartment. I, I, how dare we? How dare we look at him and say, God, better luck next time. But no, no. He on purpose made you, you. And he put you to be born on the day that you were born so that your yes. life and you would align in history the yeah. way it's exactly where it's supposed to align. That what you're good at, what you love, what you're passionate about, if you were to have been born even, who knows, a day sooner, your trajectory could have been off. But God is that sovereign. Yes. He is that good wow. at what he does. Mm -hmm. And so if you're alive and you are breathing air right now, you are on the trajectory. You need to align yourself to be willing to obey and submit and to die to some things in you that you're not quite sure of yet. Decide, God, I want to do things the way you made me to be because you, only you can do that. Only you can do it. So we mustn't insult God in his sovereignty, his creativity, and his divine nature. 
she was telling me that she wasn't sure about co-preaching with me. I'm like, I'm like, how about you just finish the sermon right now? <laughs> and here's, here's a beautiful thing about what we're talking about here is that each one of you, each one of us has not just been uniquely created, but we've also been uniquely positioned. And so the second question that we have for you today is where have you been placed or positioned? Where have you been positioned? And the reality is this, is that you are not, and you hear this all the time in church world, but please, please don't blow past this. You're not here by happenstance. You didn't just happen to land in this area at this time, in this moment in history. No, church, I'm telling you, our God is sovereign and powerful enough to have purposely placed you. Yes, you. Don't look around. I'm talking to you where you've been placed. Here's this unique scripture that I came across this week as we prepared for this message. Beautiful scripture. Book of Acts chapter 17, 26 through 27. Look, look at this. This is beautiful. And he, talking about God, he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. This is the intentional God we're talking about. Mm -hmm. This is the creative God we're talking about. He had determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. Why? That they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. So, so look at this. You haven't just landed here or where you're at by happenstance. It's been allotted by God. It's been appointed by God. Why? So that people can seek him and find him through the mission that he's got you on. And what's really cool about that, sometimes what we accidentally do right in this moment, we say, yeah, but I've been, I haven't been with God at all. Like, I'm not even sure if I'm a Christian now. I'm, I'm new here. I've wasted so many years. You know what's beautiful about God is he's, he literally says you've wasted no years you decide right now you want to align yourself wow. with me today yes. your trajectory is exactly where that it's supposed so to be good. starting right now Jeez, you cannot you cannot wish away your story your past what you've been through it has even though even those of us for years we were not walking with the lord for years we had our backs turned on jesus we didn't know the saving story of jesus he still is this sovereign he's that good that yes. he can say none of that was wasted all of that wrote your story all of that is part of what formed you and today you can say I want to line up with your trajectory I want to get on the path that you want yes. me to get on and he's that merciful that he says you got it mm -hmm. that's the end of the discussion you get to decide right away today from this moment forward God make it make all my stars align so that I'm on mission right now yeah. and he says done already done and that's that's why there's no shame once, once you come under the saving power of Jesus, once we, once we accept this merciful gift, there's no shame. We don't get to be like, yeah, well, you don't know what I did. Well, that's fine. We don't need to know. Jesus knows, and he paid for it on the cross, and you're just as free as I am. Like, this is, this is the beauty of, of following Jesus, is that right now I decide I want, I want to go where you want me to go. And he says, yep, let's go. We'll go together. So on a very practical level, right, we bring this down to your daily living, where you live, mm -hmm. literally your neighborhood, mm -hmm. the time in which you've, you're currently living allotted by God, the job you have, hear me parents, the children you have in your home, yep. Yep. 
This is all allotted by God for you to be able to provide a place for people to seek him. What's right in front of you is what God is wanting to use for people to be able to experience the hospitality of our God. The hospitality that says, I sit at the head of this table and everyone gets a seat. This, this God that goes, I mean, come on, I know I referenced this a few weeks ago, but 90s Christian kids, you know this, he's got a big, big house with lots and lots of room and a big, big table with lots and lots of food. Come on, right? Audio adrenaline, somebody. And here's, and here's what's beautiful is that each one of us has been given a unique sphere of influence to be able to touch the lives of people. Second Corinthians 10, chapter 13, here's what it says, but we will not boast beyond our limits, but we will boast only with regard of the area of influence God assigned to us to reach even to you. This verbiage here is metron. It, there's another word as well called oikos. And it's basically that each one of us has a circle of people that God has has called us to influence. So let me say this to some of you right now. Some of you, like Sophia said, you have fallen into the trap like I have at times where you're wishing away the season of the life that you're in right now. Whether you're a young parent going, oh my gosh, I can't wait to be retired and these kids to be out of the house. Or whether you're that couple that is struggling to even have kids and you're, you're just begging God to do a miracle. Or you're that grandparent that now has those kids out of the house and you're wishing you would have done some things differently. Let me warn you, do not wish your season away. Because it was appointed by God to form something in you in this very hour that will affect the lives of people that I can't because I don't have your story. But the story that God is writing in you is allowing you to have a sphere of influence that will touch unique lives. It reminds me, this, this scripture reminds me of when I was a really young mom. I think I was on, I think we had three kids at the time and I was actually in a really, really tough season. I was battling serious postpartum depression and things were just so, so dark for me and I was feeling, man, oh, what was the point of all this? This is really hard. And I remember being like, you know what? Okay. The Lord really inspired a thought in me and it was, well, what can I do? And everything felt too big. Everything felt too overwhelming. When I and remember we were dirt poor. Oh, dirt poor. We dirt. were living in an apartment that was, was 800 square no, was like feet. 400, 400 square two. feet div divided into two tiny. levels. So like, how many of you know 400 square feet is already small? Divide <laughs> tiny, that into two tiny, levels. Tiny. It's yeah. like, you know. And we had yeah. no dishwasher and we had to take our clothes to the laundromat. And the only money that we got for, well, after paying our bills was just that WIC check that I got once a month. That old fashioned paper. Oh, I guess it's on cards now. Yeah. What a time to be alive. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we used to have to have paper checks and all we would get was the cheese and the tuna and the peanut butter and a loaf of bread. And it was yeah. the biggest blessing. And I thought, okay, well, I don't have a fancy table to invite people over to. I don't have uh, a big fancy car where I can go pick up my friends and go to a coffee shop. I don't have, uh, my kids don't go to preschool. I'm just home all the time with my kids and I am wondering what to do. And, and the Lord really gave me this, I really do credit him. I credit the Holy Spirit with the thoughts that he gave me at the time where it was, well, what do you have? And I thought, well, I've got wick food. And I would make peanut butter sandwiches and I would cut them into eighths, eighths, because that's what we had. And I thought, well, what do I do every day? I go to the playground with my kids because I want them to get their wiggles out. 
I'm a little bit depressed. I need the sunshine. I got to get outside. I got to move my body. So every day I would do that. And it was a discipline. And I thought while I was at the park one day, I made eye contact with a mom across. And she was seemingly in the same boat that I was. She had little kids. And one was throwing a fit. The other one lost the diaper. The other, it was just, you know, classic little kids. And we, her and I made eye contact with each other. And we were like, oh, you too? <laughs> and I thought, man, I, maybe I can be on mission right here, right now. Because in that moment, my head thought, what if we waited? What if I waited for a pastor from a local church to take the duty of sitting at the local playground and sitting on a bench and waiting for a young mom to come and be led to Jesus? One, kind of creepy, maybe. <laughs> Two, it's not going to spark a conversation. But I thought, well, this is what I do have. What I do have is that I'm here every day and I've got these little sandwiches and this is what I'm doing. And so what started as, I'm just going to go and I'm gonna, whoever I meet, I'm going to have a little tea tray of tea sandwiches. And we, little by little, it started as just a couple moms and then every Tuesday at 10 in the morning we would get together and we would show up there and it became this group of 20 moms and they would invite from their apartment complex and from their apartment complex and it was this wildfire and I'm telling you, some of those women now, one of them is a missionary in Venezuela and she's, they planted a church out of nothing and she was not a follower of Jesus but my peanut butter sandwiches and a little bit of trust in that, okay God, you said you want to use me right now in this season. Okay. All right. Here's, here's my, here's my peanut butter sandwiches. And this is the way he wants us to view. What do we have? There's nothing too small because we get to make the investment and he's going to cash in and use it how he wants. And when it comes to being positioned, uh, in where you're at, this doesn't only mean the buddies and the friends you have. Let me push a little farther here. And let me talk to you about how Hebrews 13, chapter, uh, chapter 13, verse two says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. You know, the trap that we can fall into when it comes to hospitality and when it comes to even the church world is we create a culture that is inward focused and it's me and my buddies and, and we say things like this and they sound okay, but I, I wanna just correct it a little bit if that's okay, if I can use that verbiage. We say things like, I just like getting together with like-minded people. And I understand that. There's, there's gotta be the people you trust in your life, but God is not calling us to just open up our hearts and our homes to like-minded people only. Otherwise, we're just a club. And Legacy Church, we're not called to be a club. We're a church, we're an organism. We are God's own representation of his family on earth. And that means right here, there's a plurality of backgrounds, of skin colors, of languages, of life experiences. Some of y'all voted for that guy. Some of y'all voted for the other guy. And God's calling us all to the same table. And so when we talk about hospitality, we cannot fall into the trap that this just means I show hospitality to like-minded people that are my buddies and I get along with. I'm telling you that is only going to grow an ingrown, moldy, stuffy church. Because we ain't called to just sit around a campfire and sing Kumbaya. You can do that on a Friday when you go camping with your buddies. Hospitality over and over again in the Bible. And I, I knew I was going to get less amens. That's why I, I took on this one and let her have all the nice ones. I'm a good husband that way. 
Hospitality, oftentimes, more times than not in scripture, is tied to strangers and aliens. It is literally defined as benevolence or good done to those outside of one circle of friends. Opening our lives to those that don't think like us, don't vote like us, don't look like us, don't have the socioeconomic uh, system that we've got, that don't raise their kids the same way. And in that, hear, hear me, church, you're going, some of you are wondering, well, where there's, where's the common ground? This is why we never get off of the gospel. Right. Right. I've been asked all the time, Tony, when are you going to get off this gospel thing? Never. never. <laughs> and this is why. Never. Because the common ground that you're looking for today is the fact that anyone on this earth has one thing in common, and that is this, a desperate need for a savior. And if you think you're not desperate for a savior, God have mercy on your soul. I'm just going to say it like that. I'll just move along. Why? Why? Because Colossians 1, 21 to 23, actually, did you know this? It actually describes you and I as once strangers to God. But now we've been reconciled back to him. So I want to ask you a question, church. Whose life can you change? Whose life can you change in the, in the, in the job you've been placed at, in the community you've been placed at, in the neighborhood you're at, in the family you've been placed in? Whose life can you change? And in that, I want to just give a quick book recommendation. I brought it up here so you can see it, but there's this great book that I highly recommend, 8 to 15. And in this book, it talks about how all of us have at least 8 to 15 people in our lives that have been uniquely placed in our lives for us to reach them with the message of hope. Here's the other side of this book is that it speaks to Christians because some of you right now, I could tell you, think of eight to 15 names of people in your life and you can immediately think of those names. Some of you are scratching your head and this book is going to challenge you that are scratching your head and, 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 and no, no uh, condemnation here to get out of your Christian bubble because there's not even eight people in your life that you know that need Jesus because you're surrounded by people that already know him which is beautiful, Mm -hmm. but I want to encourage you to come out of your bubble and continue to meet those people that God is purposely placing you in that job site, in that neighborhood. I'm telling you, it's going to change your life. And that book really reminds us both of this quote by John Piper, one of our, one of our favorite preachers. Uh, It says this, it's going to come on the screen. It says, when we practice hospitality, we become conduits of God's hospitality instead of self-decaying cul-de-sacs. The joy of receiving God's, God's hospitality decays and dies if it doesn't flourish in our own hospitality to others. We should be thinking, how can I draw the most people into a deep experience of God's hospitality by the use of my money, my, the use of my things, by the use of my home, and by the use of my church home? Who needs to be asked out? Who needs to be asked in? I'd venture to say the reason why most of us at times lose our passion and our zeal for the mission of God is because we have created Mm -hmm. Mm cul-de-sacs. Is because as opposed to showing hospitality and fully experiencing the full circle of God's hospitality, that it's not just something I receive and now I share with my friends, but now it's open to everyone. We sell that experience short. In fact, I believe that we're living in an age where we're so adamant about information and data that we're forgetting the practice. 
In fact, I'll tell you what, and I'm going to be brutally honest here with you. When it comes to this idea of hospitality, generosity, which we're talking about next week, when, when it comes to some of these values, I've had more pushback from people that want to argue theology with me because they simply refuse to put into practice what the word of God is very clear on. This is what churches have been built on for generations. The love of God expressed through a people that are open-hearted to all people is how we, church, I'm telling you, I talked about this last week, we don't receive the power of the Spirit of God so we can sing Kumbaya and and all this stuff. No, it's so that we may be witnesses, right? right? We're empowered to be witnesses to those that are like us and near us, those that are like us and far from us, and those that don't look like us and are far from us. And this idea of practice is so, especially nowadays, it is so underestimated. We don't put enough emphasis or thought even on what do you mean practice? Because we can easily come every Sunday and acquire information and good information. You know, we're reading the word of the Lord. We're reading the Bible. We're teaching truth. And we go home and we read our Bibles and we learn more truth that we have podcasts that teach us truth. And we have YouTubes that, you know, all the, all the sources of information and all good. But what's happened is that we're, it's really easy to acquire knowledge and information, Mm -hmm. but it is considerably harder to go out and practice what you just learned. And a lot of the time, it's really tempting to prop ourselves up on what we know and not on what we do. Because the thing is, we cannot prop ourselves up on what we do. What, what happens is that it's the best way to kill propping yourself up in the first place. Because by doing what you learn about the gospel of Jesus, you only prop him up. Yeah. So it kills this vanity in each of us when we begin to practice like this. It totally starves this, look what I know, look what I know, look what I know. You cannot, it, 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 they can't coexist. Instead of look what I know, it's look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. I made you dinner. Look at Jesus. Come, to, come for coffee. Look at Jesus. Yeah. Let's do lunch break every day, at, every Tuesday. Like, it, it kills this vanity that does try that rear its ugly head in each and every one of us. So, it's just, it, it has to be, we have to be aware. And actually, just yesterday, something happened in, in my own life. I was like, oh, my word, it's happening right before my eyes. I, I have two golden retrievers, one of which is giant and kind of naughty and he's just a baby but he's gonna figure it out but he's already too big for me and I take him on a walk and he pulls me to my knees and it's dangerous and he's a problem so I had to call in a professional and I called someone with an animal behavior degree and I said would you come to my house and teach me how to fix this giant furry problem and so she shows up in my house and she says this is what we're gonna do we're gonna do four weeks of I'm gonna teach you I'm gonna give you lessons we're gonna practice it together it's gonna be great and I'm like wow nice at four easy sessions and I will have a perfect dog. And she says, you have to understand that if you do not every day practice the things that I'm going to teach you about this animal, there is no point, no point in you paying me money to teach you how to, to train this dog. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that was way less fun. <laughs> ah, so now I get to every day walk this giant animal and learn how to, learn how to teach him, but the practice didn't come as easy doesn't come as easy as the, I'm going to take a quick little class about how to train a dog, but I cannot train a dog. And this is our temptation as followers of Jesus. We've got all the answers. We've got all the info. I know how to build disciples. Yeah, it's this and this and this and this and that. Cool story. (laughs) What are we going to do? How are we going to get out there and actually 
go be hospitable? And that's the question, and that's where it gets really practical. And so I guess we do have three questions for you and not two, because the third question today is how do we practice this? And so we want to give you several, hear this, because this is, guys, this is why they pay us the big bucks, huge revelations. You guys ready for this? We are going to give you several practices that are practical that we hope inspire you to put them into practice. Ooh, okay. So practical practices for you to go home and practice. Are you ready? The first thing is greet everyone you meet. And talk about, talk about that a little bit. Greet everyone you meet. Uh, One of the, it's so undervalued nowadays and even in, in our culture maybe, but like greeting everyone that you come across. And I mean, literally stand up. Look at their eyes. Say, hello. I'm so happy to see you. Really good to see you. How have you been? Right. The incredible power in giving someone that kind of honor. Mm-hmm. And, and I know, like, I grew up in a, in a household that we had a lot of Greek practices, and that was something that was modeled and taught for us, especially when we were in Greece. If, there, if someone walks in the room, I don't care who you are, whether you know them or you do not know them, you get on your feet. You get on your feet, smile, say hello. Even if they don't walk over to you to say hello, on your feet with a smile, look at their face and let them know, I know you exist and that matters to me. Yeah. And we, in, I think that we've accidentally lost this practice even as we raise our own kids. So many times we can arrive at someone's house or go into a restaurant or wherever we're going with our kids and the kids just barrel through the door off to the toys mm-hmm. or wherever they're yeah. going. And i like, oh, whoops, you didn't even like, eee. So we get to be very practical about what does this mean? It means... We, we train ourselves first, and we practically, we train our children. If you're in the years of raising small children, that you have such an opportunity to make this easy for them as they get older. Yeah. That they won't have to have, be retrained on this. They will be the most honoring people in the room because they already know, when I go to someone's house, I find the host, and I look at their face, and I say, thanks for having us. And that, that doesn't scare our kids, and it makes them be so eloquent and well-rounded and not afraid of big social moments. It's such a tool and a gift we're giving to them, Mm -hmm. but it's more than that. It's an impact that we're making for the kingdom of God because, whoa, those Christians, they always come here. Say, maybe you've got a regular restaurant and they find out that you're Christians and they realize, oh, they always look me in the face and their kids thank me when I bring their food and they do this. And it, it, what it does for the kingdom and for the message of Jesus and for his reputation is way more than we think it, it could yeah. possibly do. Yeah. It's a huge, huge skill to have. So we greet everyone we meet. Once we've met them, we engage with genuine care. Let me just tell you this. Um, people's radars for phony people is, is, is like, it's spot on right now. People will spot a phony like this. And if you've got hidden motives, if you're not genuine in your, this is why the scripture we read says, let your love be genuine uh, and let brotherly love be what drives your affection. So we engage with people with genuine care, not like we've got an agenda behind it, not like we can't wait to get this moment over with. And by the way, I can already tell some of you right now that are more introverted, I can just feel your anxiety just rising. And, and let me just tell you this to bring some peace to you. It's about to get worse. <laughs> Yeah, so much peace, okay. thanks. <laughs> so, 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 so the list is going to get worse for you. Um, so we engage with genuine care. That's a, a 
terrible joke. But here's, here's what I do want to say is this is not isolated to a personality group. Remember how you've been uniquely created. Even those of you that are introverted, guess what an introverted feels like when another introvert genuinely cares for them? Oh, you get me. As opposed to a bull in the china shop that goes up to an introvert and totally scares them and goes, I'm never talking to you again. So, so no, this is not just for outgoing people, okay? The third thing is, is don't try to put on a show. This goes back to, by the way, uh, uh, and I will say this about Sophia. Sophia is one of those kind of Joanna Gaines kind of people, right? Like, like everything in our home is like decorated with intentionality and it, and it looks great. But that is, not, that, that is not a reflection of a show. That is a reflection of a gifting that she has that then goes, this is how I'm setting the table. You are gifted in different ways. Some of you are not gifted in, in cooking and putting on this great meal, but you know what you're gifted in is being able to be that person that your neighbor knows that when that pipe breaks, they can call you. That they know that, man, when they're uh, unloading their truck in their driveway, they're that, you're that first knock on the door because they know you are available to them, right? There's, but don't try to put on a show while still showing intentionality. Here's the fourth thing we want to give you to practically practice is open up, not just your home, but open up your heart. Open up your heart and your home. Next on the list. The next thing, and this, this might come across kind of strange at first, but bear with me. It's this. Make dinner a priority. And I don't mean you consuming dinner. That's good. You should eat dinner. But making dinner a priority in your household, whether you are single and you're at the table by yourself, or you've got a house full of kids, or it's just you and your spouse, whatever it looks like, making dinner a priority. Why? Because you know what's really easy to do? add a chair to, ta to a table that's already served, that's already ready. Yeah. If every day you've got a standing invitation at your house, a standing event, a recurring event on your family calendar, we sit down for dinner at 5.45 every night, and what's really easy to do is to add two chairs or open up the card table or whatever it is we can do. But what's really tricky is to want to be able to invite somebody, but there's no opportunity to do it. But to learn from scratch, someone's coming for dinner. How do we have dinner? What do we do for dinner? How do we eat dinner around here? Uh, can we eat dinner on the couch? Ah, but the, the or staying organized with the flow of your household and the schedule and some things that are predictable and a standing invitation so that when you are out, you walk over to the mailbox and you run into somebody from your neighborhood and you give them that smile that sparks a conversation and you start talking. It's so simple to say, yeah. why don't you come for dinner? We eat at 545. There's always enough. And somehow there is. Somehow God really does is real live loaves and fishes situation in our own houses yes. when we position our hearts like this. Yes, so when we good. just say, I, I can add two chairs. And you send a text to your spouse or you figure something out real quick. By the way, two extra seats, 545. And as a family or as a couple or as a small group, however you already break bread together, it's a joy. Yeah. To be able to say, wow, they're coming for dinner? That's awesome. That's going to be awesome. And it's so much easier to just add on hospitality to something that already exists than to have start something from scratch at the drop of a hat when you really want to be hospitable, but there's no structure there that permits it. Yeah, good. A couple more things, and then we're almost done here. Hope you guys are getting something out of this. Okay, awesome. Here's, here's, here's one of my favorite. Treat people like people, not projects. You should say that again. So we treat people like people, 
not like projects. Our tendency is going to be to try to fix people or to coerce people or to get them to fit the mold that we expect from them. How many of you know that we even do this in in our own relationships at times, right? Like with our friends, with our spouses. We want to mold them and and treat them into like they're going to be the project that I turn them into my image. And and God at one point, I want to to tell you this, God at one point actually convicted me in my own marriage uh, and said, stop trying to make Sophia into your image when she was created in my image right? And so we, we, we treat people like people, not like projects. And so that means that, and it goes right into the next uh, practical practice that we want you to practice, and that is to be attentive to details. In a conversation, be a good listener. Be willing to listen. Be willing to be able to actually fully engage. By the way, introverts, you should love this one. It does not mean you, you have to talk. It means you get to listen, And guess what? A listening ear does so much more than the best advice sometimes. Come on, how many of you know that just being able to be a human before somebody, again, I'm going to tie this to my marriage because I made this mistake just this week. I just want to be heard. I don't want to be fixed, right? Like I'm not a project. I'm not a burst pipe, right? I'm just like, I got to be able to get this out, right? And, and here's what happens is when we're not attentive to details, especially when it comes to conversation or setting an atmosphere for people to experience our hospitality, it means we do this a lot of times. We are not listening. We're simply waiting for them to shut up so we can get a word in. Ever, ever been that person or maybe the receiving end of that where you're clearly not being heard? They're, you're just being waited to be quiet so that they can get the next word in. So when we, when we are attentive to details, we're attentive to what the words that are being said and we're showing them that they are people and not projects and because they're people, they matter to us. And then the last practical practice. The last practical thing is that it, lean into our church's efforts. What, is, what are we already doing right here all together with so many opportunities? Yeah. What if we all decide we're going to lean in and, and be more present, more hospitable in my heart with what we're already doing? So what opportunities are already presented to us? How can we link arms and shoulder up to somebody next to us who's also, why do we exist? Well, we want to be radically hospitable. So on one hand, it's really easy because we've already set up the system for you. You You don't even, if you want to just dab your toes in the water of being hospitable, join a team here. Yeah. Can you stand at the door and smile and be a greeter one Sunday a month, one service a month? Can you be part of the, the team who gets, sets up the coffee and the snacks every week? I mean, this, the, the systems are already there in place. And it's such an easy, simple way for you to just begin to practice what it feels like and to be able to say, wow, I played a part in rolling out the red carpet for my community. Yeah. I was one of those people who did break out the China and I set it for them. And not just so that you can be like, wow, look at me, but because it does something in your heart and it forms you into the likeness of Jesus. Yes, yeah. Because absolutely. he was a servant. He came to serve us all. He came to give himself as an ultimate sacrifice. And so nothing for him was like, oh, I, don't wanna, I don't know if I want to do that. I have brunch today. Mm. It was just, yup. I'm going to do whatever it takes for you. I'm going to, whatever I can to make it so that I've done my part to make sure that you hear the saving message. That's what I'm going to do. And so that you feel the authentic love because legitimately, if it isn't authentic, one, 
Don't say, well, it's, I, I don't feel actual authentic love, so I'm not going to serve. How about we do it like this? If you don't feel the authentic love, ask God to give you authentic love, and just you watch and see what he does in your heart. Yeah, that's good. He, he, this is the way he is. He responds. And when you're asking for good things that come from him, he lavishes them on you. Yeah. God, I want to love people better. I don't know why I'm kind of cold-hearted and cranky. I don't know. But I want you to help me. So please, God, give me your spirit. I want to be like you. And he says yes to those requests. So instead of saying, well, I'm kind of grumpy. I shouldn't serve at church. Well, you're kind of grumpy. So let's ask God to make you not grumpy and still serve at church. <laughs> And this is, this is the beauty as we see the transformative power in each of us that we get to give away. And yes, our Sunday gatherings are absolutely designed for you as the saints to be able to come and gather, be with each other, hear, hear an equipping word, be able to worship Jesus, and be able to invite those that are from the outside to be able to come in. This is why it's so important for us to truly begin to see what it is when God uses you and I to place the, as he places the lonely into families. That when that becomes a reality in our hearts, we begin to see the efforts of our local church as more than just, and hear me church, I want to be careful how I say this, but I also want to be very strong in how I say this, beyond than just an option for our discipleship. Because if we're true disciples of Jesus, we love his local church, his bride, we serve it, we lead into it, we do what we can to see more added to it. This is why we've got outreaches like our daddy-daughter dance, right, where we want to create an atmosphere where uh, girls and, and their fathers can come in and have a safe, wholesome environment where they can date, where if they don't have a, a, a dad, we've got dad stand-ins and grandparents that are stand-ins, right? This is why, I don't know if you've noticed, but we've been already very busy this year with outreaching to our community, creating this hospitable environment for them. This is why uh, the weekend of Easter, we've rented out uh, all of Story Park right down the road so we can do a community egg hunt for everyone, right? And so beyond just like cool things that look cool on Instagram, no, it is us opening our hearts and opening the front doors of this church and every window of this church to go, come in. You're welcome here. And so with that, I'll go ahead and call up Kevin and we're, we're gonna wrap up here today. And that's this. I wanna, I wanna wrap up with, with just a statement here. We're not gonna sing a song. We're, I'm, we're gonna make a statement here and then I'm gonna pray for you and then I'll, I'll let you have some time if you need prayer at the prayer corner with our prayer team. But I want you to just don't, don't lose your attention here in the last couple of minutes. I, I've gotta say these things to you. Our homes and our hearts can oftentimes become a place of refuge for those that have nowhere else to go. A place of celebration for those that have no one to celebrate with. A place of honor for those that have never experienced being honored before. A place of growth where there's patience and grace and mercy for that process of growth. Our homes and our hearts can be a hospital for the sick without rushing them to get healthy. A place where mourning can safely take place and we don't force them to just move on and get healed, but where they can safely mourn and journey with us. A place where life happens for those that are without family. And so I wanna ask you the question today as you consider and as we close today, what is your next step today? Maybe your first step today is for the very first time, you're going to open up yourself to a conversation with somebody in the lobby. 
that you've never met before. Maybe you're going to invite somebody to lunch today. Maybe you're gonna begin to open up your homes at some point and maybe you're gonna join a small group and you're gonna go, man, I kinda wanna see what hospitality's modeled like so that next round, I I wanna do this too. Maybe it's inviting somebody in your neighborhood that you don't know for a bonfire in your backyard and just ask them three simple questions. How'd you get here? Let me tell you, most of them are gonna be from out of town. They're gonna have a story. It's Meridian, Idaho in 2023. I'm telling you. You know, what do you do for work? Oh, how did you get into that? Oh my goodness, how long have you been doing that? Do you enjoy it? Oh, you don't? Oh, okay, well, right? This is how, do you have any children? No, oh, okay, well, what, what, tell me about that journey, right? Or do you, do you have family here, right? Maybe that's your next step. Maybe your step is to encourage your close-knit group of friends to go, guys, it's our time to open up our circle to other people. Let's begin to show the same love we've been shown to others. Or perhaps it's like Sophia said, you're gonna begin modeling this for the next generation. But I will say this as we end, everyone has a response today. We all have a way to respond today. So would you close your eyes? Father, right now, I thank you because of your great, beautiful, wonderful love for us. You have shown us hospitality by opening your heart and creating a place for us to dwell with you in eternity. Father, I pray for every person in this room, for those watching online right now, God, that you would clarify to us what our next step is. Father, if there's anxiety in us in in taking a next step, Father, we wanna submit that to you and say, Lord, you do with it as you wish. Father, those of us that maybe have had closed hearts, that you'd begin to open up and soften our hearts, God. Lord, maybe we've been closed off and maybe we've looked at our, at our home as rightfully so as our sanctuary, but maybe, God, you're wanting to stir us into maybe it's gonna be a sanctuary for other people as well. Lord, I pray that wherever we're at on our journey of faith, all of us have something to give. All of us have been uniquely formed and uniquely positioned somewhere to affect your mission on this earth. So I pray, God, that this morning you would stir our hearts to action. Lord, and that your great grace and your great love and great mercy would flow in and through us and out of us for all those people around us that you have placed in our lives so that they may be reached through your great love. Father, I bless this congregation. I thank you for what you're building here at Legacy. And God, we are trusting you for what's to come as you mold us into the people you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you need right now prayer for anything. Thank you once again for joining us today. We hope today's message encouraged you, challenged you, and caused your faith to grow. If you enjoyed today's message, we highly encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. That way you don't miss out on any future messages. To get to know us, to get connected with us, and to know how you can best partner with us, head to our website, LegacyChurchID.com, or come see us in person at our campus in Meridian, Idaho. We look forward to connecting with you. May God bless you and have a great rest of your day.